Are you a fan of the small ball? I'm not as dramatic, you know, as, as GM. Dramatic? You sound like my wife, no. Jealous of all the inside analysis and crack on the football pod? Well, we've got you covered with the Hurling Pod. Subscribe to the Hurling Pod feed on the OTB Sports app now. You should be the host here. I'm really loving it, Jeff. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along. You're listening to the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. I'm Alan Quinlan and with me as always is Neve Briggs. Uh, I'm sure she's a very happy lady today. Tottenham won 5-0 against Everton last night. How are you, Neve? Well, Quinny, delighted with that win. So badly needed, I think. Um, Harry Kane does it again. See a second goal. Bali. Over from, an Irish, from an Irish point of view as well, Matt Doherty seems to be flying it there. Um, yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, he's going Even very though- well. I was watching. I was watching Sky News, Sports News this morning, and it's Matt Doherty, Doherty, Doherty. It's driving or, me demented. Or, or Harry Kane calls him Doey. Doey, uh, yeah. But it's yeah, great so to see him great. playing. Yeah, playing yeah, well. brilliant, brilliant win. Um, so badly needed. Yeah, Everton struggling a bit, but uh, how was your weekend? Otherwise, you had a match and a good win at the weekend. We better talk about that. See how your yeah, coaching uh, yeah. <laughs> credentials are going and are improving. Uh, yeah, look, it was a, a very busy weekend. I was in camp from uh, Thursday on and um, belted back down the motorway to Bowes. We were playing uh, Wicklow in the All-Ireland Cup semi-final. We had a good win. Uh, you know, weren't brilliant in our execution things, but lots to work on. We play railway now in the final in two weeks' time, which is going to be a really difficult task, but looking forward to it. And it's great because it keeps the girls interested for another few weeks because the season's shortened, obviously, with Six Nations. So back up then and uh, back into camp. And uh, we had a really good weekend this weekend, I think. Um, Greg's just built in a really good environment. Um, players seem to be really enjoying it. They've been testing a huge amount. So um, don't have a huge amount of time. It's the thing, you know, when you're coaching, you're, you you want to do so much. Um, but we, we only have two more weekends before we, we take on Wales. So uh, a lot of work to do before then. And how strong are railways? You play them in the final in a couple of weeks. You're probably going to yeah. give the coaches spiel here, talk them up, say they're great, we're the underdogs, well, all that kind of well, stuff for you. Well, they won the league, so they're obviously incredibly good sides. Um, they've, you know, double champions now. Um, so, yeah, look, they're very, very strong, very well coached. So we've got to be on our A game. Um, it's a bit different because it's hard to gauge because no team has their internationals. Um, but Railway's ability to, to build a huge squad, um, you know, definitely works in their favour. I think they've got a lot of good girls. And when, when is the final on? Uh, 20th of March that's Sunday 20th of so March that's, so that's a week before you start the Six Nations so none of yeah. the internationals will play no 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 none of the internationals so it'll be good it's a good opportunity for young girls to come into the squads both squads now and, and get that kind of final experience so um, no we're looking forward to it now just got to keep our heads down and hopefully now just get through the next two weeks in terms of training and, and make sure that we arrive in the best condition we can so you had a squad announced last week with Greg McWilliams announced a squad. Um, I'm sure you, um, as as an assistant coach, uh, had some involvement to that. Are you laying all the blame on Greg McWilliams? Did he pick all 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 the squad? And no, we did it as coaching ticket. To be fair, um, and very much selected players that we felt that had played well over a prolonged period of time. Um, and you know. What's exciting is so many, you know, young, good talent in there. It's huge. Look, we're, we're light on experience. That's very obvious. Um, but uh, hopefully we make up for it in, um, 
you know, sometimes when you're new on the scene, you kind of hold no fear. Um, so from that aspect, but yeah, look, we, we, we picked the squad and good people and, and good players. And that was really important to us. Um, and yeah, I just think the way training went last weekend, it's just we're, we're building now and it's, it's, it's really good. One high-profile omission, Cleena Maloney, which Kevin Potts, Kevin Potts addressed. Um, obviously, there's a bit of hearsay and speculation that it's something to do with with um, the letter that was sent into the IRFU and and Cleena's role in that. I'm sure that's one. It's probably a bit um, a bit unfair, and I'm not going to ask you about that. But it's you're you're, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't in that situation. And, and Greg, Greg addressed, and I'm sure he will address it in the next few weeks. Just one one other thing on that. How how is the preparation gone, and how what kind of structures and what kind of stuff do you have to do in the next few weeks to be ready for that Welsh game? Because there's there's a number of new caps. It's interacting them in the squad and getting ready for for that first game um, and try and hit the ground running against Wales. Yeah, absolutely. I think. <clears throat> For us, we've got to be really, you know, fine in our detail. I think that's going to be really important for us. We've got to try and you've got to find a balance too, Quinny. It's 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 not you can't overload them with information that they get bogged down in it, but you've got to make sure that they have enough that they can um they can, you know, compete at this level. I think for us it's it's a real difficult task in terms of we're the only team in the Six Nations not going to the World Cup in September. So we've all almost got a blank canvas to work with and and try and build and our expectations will be very different to probably the rest of those countries and um, so yeah look I think you know we're looking we're really looking forward to probably getting together the next couple of weekends in terms of just trying to lay more foundations being really good on the ball that's going to be really important for us making sure that our D is really good and look it, it doesn't take rocket science it's very it's very simple we've got to be good on both sides of the ball to be able to compete internationally but a big thing for us is about our fitness levels, our intensity, that the tempo that we want to play or we want to play with um high number of ball and play times. You know, we've Greg's spoken about that a huge amount across the AIL clubs. Um so that's gotta be our aim. But I, I just think it it's almost like a new era, you know. You obviously spoke about Kevin Potts and the recommendations that came out during the week. It's been um Yeah, you know, what, what was your take on that? It, it, it I think people most people seem very pleased that it mm. has been addressed. There's been transparency now. I'm sure the women's players will be pleased. The RFU are pleased. And it seems to be maybe that there's a line kind of drawn in the sand here and, and, and more equality can take place here and more attention to the women's game and support that they need. I'm sure as a coach, it's probably difficult for you because you've got to focus now very, very quickly on the job in hand. And it probably... In a sense, it doesn't make the job any easier, but it takes away that distraction of, like I asked you about selections a few minutes ago, that's part and parcel of the game. But we're not, we won't be talking about um, this, this problem, this issue that has been festering for a long time now. It's maybe there's a kind of a line in the sand here and, and more of a positive feel about the future, even though there's still pressure around performance and there will be pressure about for your team going forward as well. Yeah, hugely. Look, I think that we can't ignore what's happened in the past, but we've got to very much look forward to the future now. I thought it was brilliant that the IRFU accepted accepted all those recommendations. I know that the players were very happy with it too. Um, and all it does is just puts the players in the best 
possible position to be able to perform at an international level. And I think that's the most important thing. We, we've got to look away from what's happening off the pitch and talk about the player now and, and, and making sure that the players are well-resourced and well-equipped to be able to perform to their optimal level. And um, those recommendations will help them do that. So, look, it's really pleasing, but you're right. And it's not to discount what's happened before. But for us now, we've got minimal time together. We've got to start looking forward. And and you're right, it's almost a case of drawing a line in the sand and, and stepping over it and thinking, OK, look, this is where we are now. This is how we go forward. This is how we improve. And um, in all aspects, not just on the pitch, but off it too. And, um, and when you get a bunch of players that buy into that high performance mentality and you educate them about what it is and what it means, then, you know, the only thing, it can only be a good thing. And, and you know, we, we put ourselves in a good position, hopefully come a couple of weeks time. Yeah, and hopefully that support and positivity around the team is is much higher now. Standalone competition, it'll be on TV, so the girls get plenty of exposure, and I'm sure they're all looking forward to trying getting some positive stories, even though it doesn't guarantee your results. So it's it's um hopefully it's a new era for the women's game. Just one one other thing in the women's game, in and, and you missed it at the weekend before the Dragons game, over a hundred past and present women's players were acknowledged for their contribution to Monster Rugby. Um, you were probably disappointed. You can't be in three places at one time, but uh, you were probably disappointed you missed that. It was certainly a nice thing for for the women past and present to be acknowledged on Saturday before the game. Yeah, look, it was huge. I was devastated to miss it, to be honest. But look, I, I do think that the way the women's calendar has gone now, it's really difficult to get free weekends. And to be fair to Wendy Keenan, you know, she's the, the, the chair of the committee. She's worked really hard behind the scenes with the, like, the likes of Kate McCarthy, Regina O'Reilly, Ronnie O'Connell, all these people who had, you know, really represented that Munster women's team from the very, very start. And um, But to see over 100 women there, you know, Bank of Ireland, Keynes Jewellers uh, coming in and presenting them with pins, it was lovely. And to see the photos, to hear the stories afterwards, um, it was huge. And just a really good acknowledgement of of everything is um, that's gone before. And, and hopefully now that's probably, you know, going towards the future. There was a lot of young girls there as well. So and they were mixing with the old girls. And I think it was just class. It was a brilliant, a brilliant kind of, I suppose, reception or acknowledgement of all the hard work and, and the, you know, the fact that they've represented Munster over the years. Yeah, that's lovely for them. And I was glad, I'm glad it's happening and happening on a more regular basis now. So um, just uh, as always, we want our listeners to be, uh, to get involved. So I put out a tweet yesterday just on the, the Monster Dragons performance. Um, we got a good few replies, Neve. So we're going to read out. So you're going to read out some of them. Um, we might stop and pause on one or two, but um, I'll let you read them out first, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll have a quick chat about that Monster Dragons performance the weekend, which was pretty emphatic. Yeah, look, I think there was a really good response, obviously, because it was such a positive performance. But Philip Quinlan and Thomas King were both very similar. They were talking about. Um, you know, that you can only really beat what's in front of you. Um, they love the fact that there was another young side going to South Africa, but both said like a good um, probably gain for, for Munster coming away from this would be like no injuries. So I thought, you know, coming home from Munster or South Africa with no injuries was really good. Um, your favourite, Jimmy Docks. I think Man United took inspiration from the Dragons' performance this weekend. Both teams gave up. Embarrassing. As a Liverpool fan, I'd say you were delighted to see that. Uh, I, I wanted Man United to win on Saturday. Jimmy Doss is a good Shannon man, but I wanted United <laughs> to win so we could catch City. But um, yeah, they did give up a bit in the second half to Dragons. 
Yeah, look, Barry, um, Barry O'Brien is very similar. You know, difficult to gauge Saturday night given the Dragons fell apart early doors. We'll speak about that soon. But Munster Pack dominated, gave Casey Crowley plenty of switch, space to switch point contact speed next year. Casey's passing was surgical. I love that. Uh, two wins in South Africa, but the pack will have to perform, especially against the Bulls. Uh, Carly J, it was good to see, and I love this, good to see them maintain the the playing levels and not stop like they have in the past once they scored the bonus points. So there was definitely like a ruthless edge to, to Munster this weekend. Obviously, a lot of plaudits for Craig Casey. Um, Martin Bramble, I think five points from the two games would be a great return, considering that we would head down light in the front row that Lockman has been called up to the Irish squad. Bulls will be a tough ask for this group, but, it will, but as we have seen in the past, Munster can pull it out of the fire, stand up and fight. So I think that was kind of basically the general gist. Obviously, a great performance, huge plaudits for Casey, and, and a lot of you know thoughts about going down and how difficult I think Munster fans are very much aware of how difficult uh, the the two weeks in South Africa will be yeah and we've been speaking about this for a while I think uh, as you say the general team there is uh, really really good performance um, against a team that have limited resources let's be honest um, they were very disappointing I think they had a great win against Connacht earlier in the season in the sports ground but um, that was it was Munster being very good, in my opinion, and Dragons being dreadful. And like Jimmy Dock said there, giving up really, you know, giving up in the second half, dropping the heads, and um, and that's 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 a tough task. You mentioned the word ruthless. This is something we sp- we're speaking about, and I know the Munster fans. It energizes people when you see a bit of more fight, determination, being ruthless, and more efficient in certain areas. Easier said than done for any team, but I think on Saturday. They showed that root, a bit of ruthless edge right from the kickoff, particularly in the second half. They just were going straight away, attack, attack, attack. So we've now gone from a situation where we look back, and if you talk about stats, and I do a lot, um, sometimes they're insignificant, but sometimes they are very telling. So we're back in Connacht. 45 passes in that game, Neve. Um, really poor performance. And we say this respectfully to Connacht again. You know, they had a lot of fight, determination that night back in in the start of January, end of December, and won the game deservedly. Munster at the weekend, I, I just go back to the passes last week against Edinburgh, 106 passes against a very strong Edinburgh side. And we saw the way they performed against Connacht at the weekend, a very, very strong, good side. But if you look at Munster's uh, stats against the Dragons at the weekend, the one thing that jumped, really jumped out at me is 241 passes. Um, so, what, what's happened? Why are we passing the ball over 240 times now when we were only passing 40 times, over 40 times at Christmas? Yeah, look, I think a huge amount of that is part of the speed of the breakdown. I think um, it was so good this weekend. The the cleaners and the barrels for, for months or whatever when you want to call them, completely just clearing straight past the ball. And at times, the the ball carry was so good that they, you know, with they got to an edge, Casey was able to move the ball straight away without a without a cleaner going past the ball. So um, it's it, they've obviously gone away and worked a huge amount on a couple of things. So obviously their footwork on the contact zone um, and their ability to come at pace from the um, from a clearing out zone and therefore you're clearing long. So it makes it really difficult then for the, for the defence to be able to put line speed on it. I also think we're seeing a huge amount of um, 
monster attack play into space and soft shoulders as opposed to into bodies. Like you saw even the John Ryan break uh, in the build-up to, to try. Is, is, there, is there accuracy much better? Because in the last couple of weeks, we've seen, and we've seen this since Christmas, since that kind of game, um, an endeavour to try and move the ball a little bit more. Maybe an understanding that they've got to be a bit more expansive and have more variety. So we've seen glimpses of that. Was this a case of a lot of it just went together? And as a coach, I'm asking you as a coach, do you take the reality when you go in this week then and say it was only the Dragons, they were dreadful at the weekend? Or is it a case of maybe they needed this type of game to really execute and believe in themselves and uh, and get to that level because some of the execution was top-notch. Some of the tries were were outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you go in and you talk about how well they played. You talk about confidence builder. How you talk about all the hard work that you've done in training. The little, the little detail, like I said, about that footwork in around contact, about the clean, about the ability their their lines of running off the ball. That's all small, minute detail that maybe an average rugby supporter mightn't see. But when it works and you get good change out of it, you know you're buzzing um, after that, knowing that all that kind of um, little mini micro plays that you work on during the week comes to fruition in the bigger picture. And I think that that's been huge. Um, so I, I don't think you speak about the Dragons at all. I think you speak about yourselves and how, how you know, when you get to a point in the game where, you know, you're getting over that gain line, how ruthless you can be, how effective you can be in terms of once the pass is good, once the catch is good and and all that kind of positive confidence building stuff. And, um, and, and, me- and as a coach, when you can show um, little glimpses of lines of running, the shape of the squad and attack, and then you get that end result of a try. Um, I know from a, a player and I'm sure you know it as well from a player and a coach now that that's really fulfilling and it's kind of like a coach standing in a room saying look what happens when we do this right okay there's a different type of defence and we have to keep saying that at the weekend than what they'll face in the next six, eight, ten weeks between now and the end of the season but it's very fulfilling and rewarding and I think this group and essentially I think from a confidence point of view they they needed that but I would hope that someone in the rooms would say, well, <laughs> there's a different task ahead of us in the next couple of weeks. But from a confidence point of view, very, very important. Yeah, look, huge. And look, I don't think they're under any illusion of what they're going down to in South Africa for the next couple of weeks. But I do think you've got to take the moment and the near and the now. And I think when you look at, say, for example, Jack O'Donnell, who's trying on 24th minute, the easiest place to attack is in your own kind of 22 area because that's when they fill the backfield and there's always going to be space in the front. And I think, you know, that kind of, you know, play by Dan Goggin out the back and um, you've got front runners that are hitting hard lines and you, and you look to play it out the back and then Mike Haley makes the break and Jack O'Donoghue's work rate, like he is insane to be able to get up and, and make that try. That's that's a product of what they've painted, the picture that they've painted throughout the season. So if you're Dragons and you're looking at Munster and you're talking about previewing them and reviewing them coming into that game, you think, okay, anytime they're in there, we'll have to kick the ball. So what we'll do is we'll just fill the backfield. So they fill the backfield and Munster picking uh, and have a look and, and they run it because there's so much space there. And that's the kind of game appreciation, that awareness that, you know, probably we haven't seen from Munster a huge amount but we're starting to see glimpses of it over the last few weeks and we just see it in the culmination of a really good 80 minute performance this weekend Okay uh, just to move on from this 
um, standout performance for you? Oh, look, Craig Casey was outstanding, wasn't he? It's obviously like he's come back from getting game time last week with Ireland to been so, so good. His range of passing, his his, his decision-making was excellent. His kicking um, was so, so, so good. And, um, and that gives him that platform. But you've also got to remember the reason why he was so good was because of the work we spoke about inside him. I thought Chris Farrell was excellent. Jack O'Donoghue, I thought um, Mike Haley was Brilliant again. He's so unselfish in his work. Um, uh, I thought Jack as well. Zebo only handled the ball four times against Edinburgh, scored three tries. This time he got more involved. He he looks like he's getting a bit sharper as well. Um, You mentioned Jack Crowley as well. I thought his hands were superb. His defence as well, and 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 a big point case. I meant I wanted to ask you this about your opinion. You know. Gavin Coombs goes into the second row in the second half and is that an option going forward to get him into well, an Irish yeah, squad? I, I don't know. Be... I'm, just, I'm asking you from a, a forward perspective. I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to see it. Of course, you can play there. I played in the second row a few times myself and uh, it's 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 probably not something that you would... Um, you need you need a really good lineout operators, ideally, particularly at international level and top level lineout. Op- I think it would happen possibly if they were on the bench. If you held two back rows on the bench, which is always an option. Um, he had fifteen carries at the weekend, Gavin Coombs. Um, I still think there's a, there's more in him. I'd love to see him make more, get into open space a little bit more and get into wider channels. But um, it was really positive. We got to move on because um, you mentioned him a minute ago and. Are you watching Andy Farrell? The player we're picking this week is Chris Farrell. Um, he was man of the match on um, player of the match on on Saturday, and Chris is probably in a tough situation because I'm sure, uh, like any player who's who's played for the country and played for Ireland, he's played 15 times for Ireland. He's been involved in a lot of squads in the last number of years. He came back from France to Munster to try and get into the Irish squad. Um, you would want to be up with the Irish squad. Um, but I just think his attitude in the last couple of weeks has been top-notch. Um, he's a great pro. Um, I consistently hear that about him. He's a positive guy. He's had a lot of injuries. You know, you go back to the Wasp game in December, you know, he'd been out. That was his first involvement this season with Monster. So he hasn't a huge amount of games. But the reason I'm picking him is because Obviously, he's been in Josh Schmidt's squads before, and I think back to the World Cup, the performance when he came on against Scotland in that that first pool game. Um, his overall quality and attitude, and and probably his profile to be able to be a really important squad player and someone who can get over the game line. He's brilliant hands as well. Um, so I'm sure Andy Farrell will be well aware of of what Chris has done in the last few weeks. And there's times like this as a coach, you'd be thinking attitude, what kind of um, desire they're showing Definitely. when they're not in the Irish squad and I think he's a real good example for any young player who's been disappointed with being omitted from a squad to just go out and perform for your club and I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant the other night um, and brilliant the last couple of weeks Yeah, 100% I agree I think that's what you're looking for you're looking you know, in terms of um, an ability to, or an expectation um, in terms of reaction and, and bouncing back. If you don't, ha- you know, every player has disappointments, Quinny, you, Jeannie, you know that more than anybody. Um, but, you know, when you get these disappointments, it's, it's 
as a coach, you're you're looking on to see how players react and um and are they good in terms of you know are they going to be an energizer and or are they going to be a vampire? I've heard it so good because do you bring energy or do you suck energy out of it? And I think that Chris Farrell's um performances over the last while have been exemplary. And I think, look, he, he obviously missed out in November because he was injured and, and maybe didn't have enough game time at that level of international quality by the time the Six Nations squad was announced. But I, I'm sure, you know, he's definitely one that you'd have to be thinking will be on the plane for the summer tour because whatever about his, his attacking threat, his defence absolutely outstanding. Um, his ability to accelerate into the tackle is so good. And... Um, yeah, look, I just think he, his work rate is phenomenal. He's, he's, he's just. I'd love to know, see his stats in terms of his his um, high accelerations because he 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 just seems to be in such good nick. Um, so yeah, look, and, and, and this 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 maybe there's a perception that Chris Chris is a bit of a basher and and he's good at that as well. He's very good at close contact, getting his hands through, and he's very physical and strong, big man, but. I think the reason he's he's played really well in the last number of weeks is because Munster are trying to go to the edge. They're yeah. trying to get some width in their game and his hands are exceptional. He's a brilliant passer and plus you get the ball in his hands more often than not um, early. Not not off real slow ball and expecting to bash it up because he wants to get in a bit of space and, and get offloads and, and beat defenders. And I think Munster beat 33 um Defenders beaten at the weekend was 33 times, which is a very high number as well, 11 offloads. So someone like Chris Farrell can create that ability to offload and, and it's by getting to the edge. He's 17 carries in the game. Um, he's a brilliant trainer as well. I hear that consistently. So it's exactly, and I've been in that position myself where you're really disappointed coming back from Irish squad and, and it's challenging to try and get your own attitude right yeah. and get over that disappointment. And I just think he's a great example. And I'm sure he's a real leader in that that team as well. Um, and he's been, not just at the weekend. In the last number of weeks, he's he's been really top-notch uh, for, for, for Munster. So credit to him. And um, uh, he's our Andy Farrell, are you watching, player this week. And I think Andy Farrell will be quite aware of what Chris can do. And, and he's worked with Chris for a number of years as well as when he was a system or Joe, and yeah. um, I'm sure he's very conscious of that. Okay, we're going to move on to, uh, we, we talk about the Bulls, what the challenge ahead in South Africa in a few minutes, but just, we want to, I want to have a quick chat about Ireland-England at the weekend. Um, we spoke about the Italian match and what they could get out of that. It was difficult. Um, it was a bit of a, a minefield and, and, and a mess in the end. Um, but this is a different type of challenge. Against an England side that, let's be honest, haven't been great in this championship so far. They they lost away in Scotland. Average performance in Italy and uh, just did enough to get ahead of Wales. We're hanging on in the end in Twickenham. Ireland go to Twickenham, our record in the last number of years. I think we've lost the last three times we've played in Twickenham and been beaten up physically. It's a different type of England. There's no Vunapolos there. Johnny Hill is out. Um, Manitoulangi is not going to be involved. Uh, they have Sam Underhill back this weekend, but it's uh, what, what do you think of the challenge for Ireland? Should we be confident? And how confident are you of us going there to get a result? Yeah, look, for me, I think that England are definitely in a bit of a flux situation. They don't really seem to, they're missing probably one or two key players, but I find it baffling for a player population that they have that they can't um, find anything kind of close to a Manitoulagi or 
maybe I'll get Joe Lodge. Man of two Langies don't come around too often for no, anything. No, but I'm talking about a big, powerful runner. Surely there are a big, powerful runners winning that premiership. We watch it all the time. We we know there is, but just a bit a bit strange. And I, I think that it's you know Eddie Jones, his selection uh, of certain players just seems to be a bit strange. And odd. I I do think they're missing Owen Farrell uh, a lot too, and I don't think people give him enough credit for that. Um. So yeah, look, I think. For me, you know, Marcus Smith's been a he's he's obviously been their like their golden boy probably for for the last while. I think he's like he's an incredible footballer. I think he's absolutely class. But I feel if you shut him down, and I'm not talking about shut him down and start to play, I'm talking about shut him down and phase three, four, or five. Then you're kind of you're nullifying England's threat, and um, which is a bit mad to think that everything goes through him. I think you know Alex Dombrand has COVID, so he could be out too, and I think that's a big loss for them. So, but in saying that, you're going to go into the Lions. Then you know England are very, very good at, at home. Um, the likes of Harry Randall's, you know, ousted Ben Youngs, um, and he's been playing very, very well at nine. Um, and I think with Launchbury coming back in, it brings you know Courtney Laws. These guys, it, it, they, they're getting a little bit of stability back in that pack. Um, I do think Luke Andick is going to be a huge loss for them. Um, He's a big loss, as yeah. is Andrew Porter for Ireland. So they kind yeah, of balance, yeah. each, they they balance, kind of balance, they balance each I, other out. I think Ireland should be going, with, well, I know they no doubt that they'll be going with confidence because of the way they're playing at the moment. And um, I do think, you know, having lost to France away, getting a win against England would be a big statement of where they are and where they're going. I, um, I think it's a must-win must game for Ireland, given where we were in November and the, the really positive start. And and even the context of of losing by six points to France, um, a game we probably, France deserved to win, don't get me wrong, but we, from an Irish point of view, if, if certain things were better and they were more accurate, they could have won that game mm. against a very powerful side. So I think, and I said this at the start of the tournament, what's a... a What's a good return for Ireland um, from the Six Nations? I think four out of five wins. Winning either in France or England. They didn't win in France. I think this they, they kind of have to win. I think they're good enough to win and should expect to win at the weekend, which is very, very risky. Just one other thing I want to ask you is, Eddie Jones usually comes out and slates the scummy Irish or... Uh, that was a couple of years ago at a dinner he did. And look, I didn't really read too much into that because things get said at lunches and dinners... Um, that shouldn't be taken into context too seriously anyway. Um, and then a couple of years ago, he said, I think it was two years ago, this fixture that Ireland were the United Nations of rugby. Um, he's now giving us compliments. <laughs> so should we be worried that we got compliments? Yeah, I think he's brilliant. I think he's a very astute coach. I think people, I think, like to... To, to run off with themselves in terms of what he speaks about or the types of training that they do and this kind of stuff but I think he's 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 almost ahead of the game quite a lot in terms of how his thinking is so um, yeah look like he's under pressure though Nave. he's under pressure from the English press and ex-players so this this thing about he's now given us compliments yesterday saying that we're the most efficient side in the world Should, we've not we've no edge now have we we've nothing to give out about this week um, is he kind of reeling us in is it mind games are Ireland are, one, are they the most efficient team in the world why is he giving us compliments now and usually he's slating us I just think he's trying to offload he's forever known for that it's very Alex Ferguson he talks about the opposition or, or Jose Mourinho and, um, and tries to take the pressure off themselves I think um, 
I just think that Ireland are at a state within this squad mentally that the outside noise doesn't matter to them at all. They don't. They don't. They don't look outside. Well, let's hope so. Who, yeah. who? What monster players to start this week? Quickly, because uh, we got to move on. I think Ty Byrne will definitely uh, start. I'd love to see Killer get a chance. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I would love to see it. Um, I think it's a good opportunity, and I think Andrew Conway, given if he's fit again, will 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 start as well. But um, it's hard to kind of see. Um, past kind of the. I think that the team is very stable at the moment. Yeah, I think it's a real test for Ireland and, and one they should, exp- as I said, without getting cocky for any English people that might tune in and listen to this, um, we're probably slight favourites, I think, which is unheard of going to Twickenham given the results in recent years. But uh, from an Irish point of view, let's hope they can get a performance. Um, OK, we'll move on. Just the last kind of segment we have is obviously to, and again, it's diff- it's it's difficult to kind of go in-depth in, in this team's um, Munster with that trip to South Africa. So they play the Bulls this Saturday. It's four at five past four South African time, five past two Irish time. The sun is going to be out. They're playing in Pretoria against the Bulls. Uh, 4,000 or 4,393 feet above sea level. So altitude is an issue and the heat. How will they cope? People are saying in the tweets at the start that Munster look a little bit lightweight. Jeremy Lockman has been called up to the Irish squad as well. So they're down Gavin Coombs, Craig Casey, Dave Kilcoyne and Jeremy Lockman um, from last weekend. Damien Dialenda is back in the squad, which is a big boost. So yeah. um, how do you see this one going and the challenge? Like they've had a bad experience there a couple of months ago with all the COVID stuff, but they're back in South African soil since yesterday now. And uh, it's a big challenge ahead for them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And look, to be fair, first of all, we've got to congratulate Jeremy Lockman for his first call-up. I think it's brilliant. I think he's a brilliant player. He's playing really well um, when he's got a good run at Munster. So it's great to see that. But you're right. I think the back's definitely a bit lightweight. But I thought Josh Mitchell, he was excellent last weekend. And I think that he's a huge future. And I think when you're when you're that young, and you know, I'm pretty sure in his first camp he came on against Claremont, didn't he? Or started against Claremont and was got, got a roasting in the first scrum against Samani and and managed to 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 find that it within himself to be able to handle himself incredibly well for the rest of that game. I think this is another opportunity for him to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, look, I I do think it's uh, it's exciting. I I I'm gonna probably have to throw all of the expertise back over to you because I've never played at altitude and. Um, and I don't really know I know it burns your lungs and I've often done the altitude chamber here in Limerick but other than that um, I, I'm not really sure Yeah well Munster the last time they went to South Africa I think they had a little bit of a period of two weeks um, in between games they had a weekend off so they had a little bit of time to to go to the altitude chamber in Limerick and do high intensity sessions to try and get to replicate what they're going to face. So I think it's 28 degrees in Pretoria at the moment. Um, and that's probably the average temperature for the rest of the week up to Saturday. Then it it's going to drop down and get a little bit cooler, maybe 24, 25 degrees, which is still very, very hot, but maybe cloudy and overcast. So that searing sun might not be there. Um, from Munster point of view, I think they would hope that that's the case. But the altitude is really difficult and it's a different challenge um, some teams, uh, particularly at international level, when and we did this in 2004 when we were on tour before we went to um, to Bloemfontein and uh, to play tests and and then Joburg that 
the Bloemfontein one, actually, sorry, that's at altitude as well. We played our first test there in 2004 with Ireland. We stayed down in Cape Town and kind of flew in on a Friday. So some teams do it. You go in early, train at altitude for the week or go in late in the week and and hope that, um, I don't know, that's the science yeah. behind it. You either go in early or go in late and not in between. So I think they're going to have, it's going to be challenging, definitely. Um, the oxygen level depletes when, when you're playing at altitude. The ball travels much higher. And I think for, for the type of game that Munster and Irish teams in particular, and I know um, the other Irish provinces will experience in the next period of time between now and the end of the season, um, Irish teams like to play at a high intensity and, and we would back our fitness um, the systems here are very good and, and you know this Munster team are pretty fit but that kind of negates it a little bit and, and it offers a different type of challenge so from an Irish point of view you notice a massive difference and I went back down to South Africa in 2015 with Ireland and I remember I think I said this in the last pod we did in, in, in November I went into in Joburg I went into the gym and did did a, a running session on a treadmill and I felt like I was literally running up a hill the whole time. It was just totally different, much harder, less oxygen. So that that's difficult. And you can't The only just... thing though, Quinny, right, is that the ball flies hot longer and higher. So the likes of Ben Healy could probably kick it from his own yeah, goal. Yeah, possibly. But I just think from to play that high-intensity game that you want to against a very, very physical South African team because that's the reality. I think Munster fans know this it's going to be very physical at the weekend and they're going to try and impose themselves. That's the way they play the South Africans. Um, they're not really a side that have a huge amount of current Springboks. Um, they have a number of players, Cornel Hendricks, uh, the winger, Lionel Mapoy in the centre. Um, he actually played one of the tests, I think, or maybe two of the tests in 2015 with Damien Dialinde against Ireland, Mapoy in the centre. Of course, Arno Bota is there. He was with Munster, so he's trying to probably passed on some info on the type of um, type of team Munster are, their, their techniques, and their, their strategies and all that kind of stuff. And Marcel Kutsia, who plays for, play, played for Ulster and was a, a, played brilliantly with Ulster. And of course, Bismarck du, du, Duplessis on the bench. He may start. Morna Stain may start. Maybe he may be involved as well. So, um, when I say there's, it's current Springboks, but they have quality. They have a number of, of good young players. Chris Smith, yeah. the out half, has said yesterday in his press uh, stuff um, that Damien Dialende is obviously a game changer for Munster. I think it's brilliant to have him back. But he did talk about the altitude and the heat, and he hopes it's yeah. a scorcher on Saturday. So it's difficult. <laughs> so Munster have got to try and manage the tempo of the game, um, and that can be difficult. So what do you have to do? Hold on to the ball trying not turn it over and play in the right areas. And then, you know, if you have those dry conditions and, and you've, you know, you have to have a go as well. So I think uh, the real key for this is how Munster managed their set piece, the physicality and try and retain possession. But it's a, it's going to be a difficult challenge. The Bulls have played 10 this season and lost six games. And a lot of those games were at the early parts of this competition in the cold in September here, when you know you think back to Jake White, their coach, he was he was uh, shocked at the wind and the rain and the sports ground in their second game. So it's a big challenge for Munster, and I just think mentally, and this is what I was talking to you earlier about um, going from that emphatic win last week to you know what's acceptable in the next two weeks. You're a coach, so you got to be a realist here, and you know you wouldn't openly say it as the coach, but I think. One of the tweeters said five points from the two games. I think that is a good return. 
So yeah. you win at least win one of the games and maybe get a losing bonus point in the other. Of course, they'll want to win the two. What's your take on it? Yeah, look, I think <clears throat> I, I think that's a fair assessment, to be fair. You know what I mean? And I think that Munster have been on a really good run for the last few weeks in terms of performances and, and results. And I don't think we can discount the confidence that will give this group. Um, so, yeah, look, I, it, it, will be, it will be a tough, tough couple of weeks, but it'll be a real test to see the character and the resilience that this group has. Um, I think I think it's hard to put a put a, a win lose or a points or a, you know a performance probably aspect to it because to be truthful I I don't know a huge amount about playing down at altitude and and change that does to your body so um, but yeah look I think I, I'll be interested to see how they get on Saturday and, and hope that they can they can do well against the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls beat Zebra in the, their last game in Italy, 45-7. And uh, the Sharks actually beat them at home the week before. So yeah. um, they're not, as I said, they don't have many any current Springboks, a lot of good young players, but a lot of experience. So it's a real physical test for Munster. Let's hope they do well in the next couple of weeks. And I think this is one of the games, both these games are, they could be game changers for some of these players as regards the perception and where the, the negativity that was probably with the team around Christmas. Um, but let's hope they can do well. It's, it's, it's yeah. a tough task. To win these two games yeah. is tough. Um, and then once they come back from South Africa, they play Benetton at home and obviously they're into Europe. They've Leinster and then into Europe. So it's a tough couple yeah. of weeks. Just on a little bit of gossip and news, Matt Gallagher last week, he's gone mm. to Bath. Um, maybe Chris Clote, it's been rumoured, will end up in Bath as well. We missed that last week. But just on the... And I think this is out in the press. Graham Rountree was interviewed last week. Uh, we're waiting and waiting and waiting for this hedge coach role to be to be finalised. He was interviewed. It's been the press last week. Um, and hopefully in the next week, we will know um, where we're at on the, on the coaching setup. And uh, we can we can we can debate that. Are you still any any have you any gossip on the coach? <laughs> you're rolling with a lot more than me now. Uh, have you any gossip? No, just a similar what you're hearing as well. And um, I think you're right. I think we'll know hopefully in the next week or two. And I think it's important because uh, the sooner you can set, you know, set your head coach. It's gone on a long time, hasn't it? Whether yeah, whoever's and, right, and, and wrong. And or whether... Maybe it's right. I think you're right to take your time in terms of making sure they got the right guy. And um, But also, I think once that's set in stone, you can start looking for your, for your assistant coaches. You can't do that when you don't have a head coach. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's, it's definitely an interesting time for Munster over the next few weeks, hopefully. Okay, we've got to leave it there. That's episode 22 of the Red 78, done and dusted. To make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week, just search the Red 78 and press subscribe. And don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts uh, next week. And it's it's a strange time because uh, by past four, Ireland are playing a quarter to five. So people will have to be watch one or the other or press the record button and, and watch them after, before or after. So um, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel or search for Rugby Channel and leave a comment. And we'll see you next week. Uh, thanks again, Dave. You had a busy weekend. I'm sure you'll have another busy one coming up this week. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Quinny. Thanks, man. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.